Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. This is Bud Plum. I'm here to share the word with you. And before we get started, I'd like to offer this prayer. Almost holy and merciful, Father. Truly, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour. We thank you for those who tune in so they might get a little enlightenment as to your precious word. And we just ask you, God, if you would just be the teacher of this short session and just illuminate our hearts and our minds so that we might be the beneficiaries of your truths. And we thank you to God for your word, and we just love you and we need you. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray. Hello there, Blog Talk Radio listeners. Brother Plum, your co-host and evangelist Clay here, welcomes you to God's Sacred Word Bible Study. You can find God's Sacred Word also on Facebook at Peace, Keep God First. Our Bible study is within the Gospel of John, 1, 1 through 19, 12 and 50, 13 and 1, 20 and 31, and the books of Acts, chapters 1 through 6. We'll talk about the departures, spirits, journeys, episcopals, and the building of the churches after Jesus' death. A little bit about the four Gospels before we go into our lesson. The word gospel means good news and was written by four evangelists. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who all testified that Jesus was and still is the Messiah. Actually, four evangelists, uh, Matthew, Paul, Peter, and John were disciples that walked and talked with Jesus. Matthew and John wrote part of the Gospels. Peter and Paul didn't write any parts of the Gospels. They taught. Mark and Luke. Therefore, Mark and Luke didn't walk or talk with Jesus, but wrote parts of the gospel. Now, Matthew was Jesus' disciple who spoke with the Jews in his gospel. Mark was a student of Jesus' disciple named Peter, and Mark spoke to the Romans in his gospel. Luke was a student of Jesus' disciple, which was who was named Paul. And Luke spoke to the Greeks in his gospel. John, Jesus' beloved disciple, wrote to everybody who were studying his gospel now. They were all evangelists, and they were all witnessing for Jesus Christ as the true common Messiah who came, died on the cross for our sins, resurrected back into heaven, and sits by its father's side. These Gospels were written and published, and since the Gospels were closely written, they're referred to as synoptics, and they continue in the books of their Acts, 
Epistles, Journey, and Building Churches with the Holy Spirit as Evangelists. And then finally, God closes the Bible with the writing of John the Apostle in Revelations, the last book in the Bible in the New Testament. Basically, the writer, Apostle John, is saying, yes, I agree with what they say, and this is my side of the story. So a little bit about Apostle John. He was the youngest of the disciples who testified that Jesus is the Son of God, and he put it in writing for everyone to know, written in John 21 and 24. John's writing was the last of the four evangelists in the Gospel of the New Testament. In the Bible, he wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and Revelation. John the Apostle was the disciple that Jesus loved and trusted his mother's curl with when Jesus was dying on the cross. And he is the same John the Apostle, who was a witness to Christ being the coming Messiah who came to earth through a virgin mother, announced by uh, his forerunner, John the Baptist, who baptized with water, and uh, Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Brother Plum is going to come in in a minute or so and discuss the Holy Spirit in the first part of Acts 1 through 6. So back to the Gospel of John. It's written in the Bible, and it says that John the Baptist and Jesus never met each other. But it's written that when John the Baptist saw Jesus walking toward him, it said he knew right away Jesus was his cousin, who was the Messiah. Remind you now, Jesus and John the Baptist lived in different areas and possibly didn't even know each other, but both held the parts of the baptism needed. You can't have one without the other. The baptism of water washes sin, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us are needed for us to enter heaven. John the Baptist and Jesus are the same children of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary. So now the apostle takes us to John 1, 29-34, that says that John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit come on Jesus, something that let him know that Jesus is the Messiah, and he testified to it. And John also said, the one who sent him to baptize, told him when you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, know this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist said that he had seen it with his own eyes, and he testified that Jesus Christ is God's Son. There's a lot of spiritual things going on there out of our normal human limb. So then John the Apostle takes us to 12, 1 through 50. And here, Mary takes expensive oil and she anoints uh, Jesus' feet. And Judas thought that it was a waste because now 
He was looking at dollar signs flashing in his eyes for the oil, but Jesus told him to leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of his burial. And then came the hard part in John 13, when Jesus had to tell his disciples that he had to go, he couldn't stay. Time on earth had come to an end, and it was time to go home. Jesus was getting ready to go be with his father again, receiving the glory and fellowship he enjoyed within the Trinity before coming to earth. And they couldn't go with him. They weren't yet spirits. Uh, They had work still here, and there was a calling on their lives to spread the gospel. So Jesus made provisions for his disciples before he left. In seven. 37 through 39, 14, 15 through 31, 15 and 26, Jesus promised his disciples the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he washed their feet. And uh, Peter asked him why, and Jesus told him, you'll understand now, but you'll understand later. Because, see, out of love for Christ, Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because it was a blow kind of job. But Jesus told Peter if he didn't wash his feet that he would have no part with him. Jesus was leaving and the Holy Spirit was coming as soon as Jesus was situated back in heaven. So Jesus is comforting his disciples which gave up everything to follow them, helping them to understand what was coming. And he tells them that they'll be tried many times, so they needed the Holy Spirit. And it's written in John 14, 15 through 19. John 14, 17 through 20 tells us, Jesus' teachings wouldn't die because of his crucifixion. But his teachings uh, just wouldn't be in the physical sense anymore, as is written in John 20 and 19. Sayings like uh, his legacy lives on, or he's inducted into the Hall of Fame, or he was given the Nobel Peace Award, so are the Gospels toward Jesus Christ. And speaking of spirit, The same day the three discovered the empty tomb, some of the disciples went in a secured, locked-up house for fear that the Jewish authorities were against them. So they laid low and secured for a while. Then Jesus walked in the room out of nowhere, walking through a locked door. He didn't open the door and come in. He just walked through a locked door, and he stood in the midst of them, and he showed them his hands and his sides, and they knew it was Jesus. And Jesus said a very long prayer for them and for us. And we know that when Jesus prayed that the Holy Spirit is there. I know I would have been happy and scared at the same time, too, just like then seeing somebody just walk through the door But maybe for the first time they really realized who Jesus was. No human could do that. Jesus said to his disciples, As God sent me, 
I send you. And this is the commissioning act of John's gospel. And now Brother Prune is going to continue with the rest of our Bible study. In that regard, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a while. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Some people have referred to it as it. It's not an it, it's a person. And they say, you keep this in mind, that the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus sent him back. He told him, I'm sending back a paraclete. Paraclete is one who comes alongside. While Jesus was here in the physical body, he could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit can be every place all the time, at the same time. But uh, that's the benefit of having the Holy Spirit indwell each of us as Christians. As Christians, the Holy Spirit truly indwells us. That's all part of that salvific message. I said we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we are, I use the term Maria, R-I-B-S. We regenerated, we are indwelled. We are baptized and we are sealed. All of this is an instant, but it's a continuum throughout your life. It's always there. And I say the Holy Spirit is that element that leads, guides, directs, and protects each and every one of us. And I say some people like to say it's the conscious, but no, the conscious sometimes leads you wrong, but the Holy Spirit never leads you wrong. It's, it's there to perfect you and to just lead you in the right direction to make the right decisions to do the right thing. And I said, thank God for the Holy Spirit. I just say, just because it's always with you. I said, we have a tendency to not to, not to obey it or say neglect it because I said, we say, I can make the better choice. But I say, God is our maker. He is our creator. And he left this comes alongside person, this individual, this indwelling person within each and every one of us to follow his instruction. I just said that those instructions are beneficial to our health. I say the consequences of any wrong choices that we make are built in. I said we can do a whole lot of things after the fact, but the consequences are right there. And as I say, we can, as you say, be that good person after the fact, but that act before, the consequences are there, and it's, you know, you can't avoid them. And so it may not come the way that we want them or anything like this, but they are there, and you can't change it. That's just the fruit of an act, as they say, and it's always something that's going to come around later, but it's always there. And I say the Holy Spirit is, as they say, our literal protector, it keeps us from doing a whole lot of things that we would rather do, but due to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we don't uh, we don't indulge. And I say, thank God for that. But as I say, it's that person that comes alongside of you, and he's there to assist you. As I say, we are never alone. He is always there. We might be in a setting where we in a we think we are alone. There's nobody around in in the person, but the Holy Spirit is with us. And here again, thank God for that experience. And that's basically the gist of the Holy Spirit. It's there. All you need to know is you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's, it's a permanent thing. As I say, you don't get in and get out or whatever. It's an indwelling spirit, and it's there 
It's just like being a son of a, or a daughter. I said, regardless of how you treat your parents or how you treat yourself, you're going to always be that son or that daughter of your mother and father. And I say that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Once, once you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you are permanently his child. And there's nothing that you can do. As a matter of fact, your salvation is based on Christ dying, not on your doing, upon his mercy, not on your merit. And you have to keep that in mind as you go through this process called life. It's a long and tedious journey. You will have your trials and your tribulations. So as a consequence, he says, you know, we will suffer for doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but we will suffer because we're sharing Christ with people of the world, and this world is sinful. And as a consequence, as I say, we are, we're in a struggle, a constant struggle, because I say you have more out there in this world trying to influence you to do those things that you know you shouldn't do, but due to the temptation, we sometimes we acquiesce to it, we yield to it, and we suffer. But I said all this is a part of life. But I say that's that's the beauty of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It's there to assist you. But as I say, it's not a forceful thing, but he forever dwells with you. Okay. Getting back to to the Acts, I said Acts is a fun well it said it's found formation and spread of the church. As a matter of fact, the church was established in the book of Acts and said you had extension of the gospel to the Gentiles. They said the main elements of Acts was Peter and Paul. Peter was the disciple for the Jewish nations, and Paul was the disciple of the Gentile nation. As they say, this was his calling on the road to Damascus. He got his marching orders, as it were. He was a zealot for the state, at one time, but likewise, he was just as, just as zealous for Christ after the conversion. I just say, everyone doesn't have that, I don't want to say dynamic exposure, but uh, everybody's exposed and come to Christ in different elements. And it's not as traumatic as Paul's per se, but we do have that change. It is impossible to stay where you are and go with God. I said it's a move. It's well. I said it's transformation that you that is incurred when you accept Christ in your life. There's a change. As a matter of fact, there's a hundred and eighty degree change. You were going this way, and you realize that hey, that's not the right way. You make a hundred and eighty degree turn and go the opposite direction, and then you seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and you will go the way that you should be going. And as I said, as I said, Acts is a unique book. As I said, it's a bridge between the Gospels and the Epistles. And as I said, it just leads you into, as I say, the furtherance of the church. As the church was established in, in Acts, and you have the tremendous spread of the Gospel because, as I say, you have a multitude of, as they say, disciples or students and out there, and each is sharing the word. As a matter of fact, we are commissioned to share the word. It's not the pastor, the preacher, the deacon, or whatever, but it's you. You are commissioned to share the word. And they said, 
He indwells us, as I say, he's just like a overflowing fountain, and that overflow is to be shared, and you share that good news with any and everybody. But here again, you have that fear factor we, because we think that because I don't know enough or I may not been exposed enough, I can't do it. But the thing is, it's not you. You're just a vehicle to be used by, by the spirits to share God's word. He says, it's your mouth, but it's my words. And it's just, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It didn't say put out all these trinkets or enticements or all these other elements that they use to draw people. But as I say, that still is not a significant way to draw people to Christ. I said, he doesn't force himself on any of us at any time, but he just knocks at the door. I said, you have to let him in. I always get that picture of you got a door up there. It doesn't have an outside knob, but it has an inside knob, and you have to open the door to let him in. And as you said, it's, it's all about choices. In this life, you will make a million and one choices, and you just, here again, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you will make the right choices and do the right thing. So this is what we do. But I say, going back to Acts now, Acts, as I say, is the establishment of the church, and it's just very unique in that the author of Acts, well, I said, you got Luke and Acts. As a matter of fact, Luke was the only Gentile writer in the Bible. All the others were Jews. But Luke was, as you say, an assistant and always there. As a matter of fact, he was a physician, but as you said, Right there with Paul, and Paul suffered many difficulties, but as you say, his main thorn in the flesh was, you know, his eyesight because of, at the Damascus experience, he saw a light and it just blinded him, literally. As a matter of fact, he was blinded for three days before Ananias touched him and removed those scales. But as you said, he was doing what thus says the Lord. But as, you say, as a matter of fact, when Paul got into Damascus, he told him where to look for, you know, Ananias. And Ananias said, asked question Lord as to, is this what you want me to do? You mean to tell me you want me to talk with Saul? But as you say, during the conversion, his name would change from Saul to Paul. But uh, God has a calling for each and every one of our lives. And as they say, he had a Bible call for Paul because I said Paul was an educated man. He was in touch with the right folk as far as governmental systems and all, and he was the ideal one. Because they say he he was killing Jews before the conversion, but after the conversion, he was right in the midst. He was spreading the word for, for Christ. And I say that's what it's about. It said if he can convince Paul or convict Paul to do the work that he's called him to do, to share his word, you know, who am I? He said, I'm not, quote, unquote, as sinful as he, maybe, but sin is sin. And he said, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But with God, he can change everything. And just put your faith and trust in him, and things will happen. But as I say, that's the general gist. But as I say, in Acts, as I say, we see, how Jesus spent, as they say, 40 days 
on this earth after his crucifixion and, resurrect, and, and resurrection. So he's there to inform them, to let them know that he is alive and well. That's the beauty of our Christianity. We serve a living God, not a dead one. He died, stayed in the grave for three days, but he rose to new life. And he ascended back to heaven after, as you see, after his 50 days, you have his ascension. And he's sitting at the right hand of God. And I said, this is, I say, it's his history. And I said, he stayed with them for that 40 days to let them know that, hey, I'm alive and well. And they were eyewitness to this fact, and they were they were able to maintain that holy boldness after that. They said, hey, I don't care what they say, meaning the Roman Empire, we're going to share Jesus Christ. And that's what they do. And that's what we're required to do is share the word. But as I said, we don't like to, here again, we have that fear factor. We let fear supersede us. But we have got to stay close. Stay tuned in and just be what God has called us to be. Now, as I say, you have, as I said, after, as I say, Judas died, they had to find his successor because of the, the 12, the number 12. That was, the, you know, 12 tribes of Israel, and they were just getting that 12th disciple. And I said, and that, well, I said, that criteria for that 12th disciple was someone who had been with Jesus and witnessed some of the things that they had witnessed and just, know who Jesus is. And they did that. And they said, at Pentecost, you had a very strange phenomenon. You had flames of fire floating around and just sharing, well, I said, indwelling the people, and they were able to converse in different languages. Of all the tribes and territorials that were there, you had people understanding each each other's language. And that's here again, what they did, because that was because the Holy Spirit was there and it was using the disciples' mouth to share God's word. And the word, God's word was revealed to them at that particular time. And they, they took advantage of it. And as I said, it was a strange thing because everybody was hearing the word of God in their own language. And you had as I say, people from all kinds of territories there, but they understood what was being said. And then you had the general newborn church, as I said before, was in here again in Acts and had many miracles in in Acts. And then you had people, Peter's dynamic sermon drawing, you know, 4,000, 5,000 in one walk, one time. Just present the message and people come into Christ in huge numbers. Can you imagine what it would be like if we were true, true believers and able to draw four and five thousand at one time? And that's us not to be so. But anyway, we can take them one at a time. That's why I say it comes to me. It's a personal thing. God doesn't have any grandkids. Everybody's first generation. You have to make that choice, whereas you want to come to Christ, and that that you do. And as I say, unique thing about this is you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, folks. It's the word of truth. And as I say, as a consequence of that, you have, I always like the Ananias and Sapphira element in that they lied to the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't kill them, but the Holy Spirit took their lives because they're alive. And I say, 
Can you imagine what it would be like if we were killed for telling a lie? But as you say, it's always our choice, okay? But I'll wound down with this, and uh, we want to thank you for your time and just look forward to the next time, okay? we got three minutes. Can we pray? You know, okay. Yeah, okay. Dear Heavenly Father, truly, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this avenue or venue to share God's precious word. And we just ask you, God, that you would just continue to lead, guide, and direct us and protect us. Be our protection in this dark and sinful world and just let your will be done in our lives, dear God. We are accepting, calling, and just doing what thus says the Lord and just keep that wing of protection around us, dear God, and keep us safe from all hurt and harm and danger and just let your word flow through us. When you see us, you see Jesus. We are his representative. We are his body, arms, legs, feet. We are generally his body to share God's precious word in this world and in this nation. We thank you and we love you. Thank you very, very much for this opportunity. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Is he going to come over after that? Too? I know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.